Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Underground for Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 376. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into tonight from the Sixers to uh, everybody's favorite Scott Boris mouthpiece, John Heyman, tweeting about the Phillies ready to spend some money and a whole lot more. Uh, Matt back from his mini-moon. Thank you to Dom for filling in last week. A ton of fun having Dom back on the main show. Uh, but before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors who allow us to talk about all these nonsensical sports teams that we somehow have an admiration for. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Guys, let me tell you, this even if this wasn't an ad, I would be fully endorsing this. I ordered a hoodie from the Fall Apparel Collection at TomahawkShades.com. The most comfortable hoodie I've ever worn. It has enough room where it's not, like, super tight on you, so you have some room to move around in. It is so soft, so comfortable. It's one of those hoodies that you never want to take off. So go to TomahawkShades.com. You can grab those. I know the sun goes down at like 3 in the afternoon now. So, you know, you have limited time for sunglasses, but you can still get your sunglasses, blue light glasses, everything in between. TomahawkShades.com. Promo code USP at checkout gets you 25% off your entire order from our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Guys, what other vodka have you heard of that's actively hydrating, has electrolytes on the same spectrum, as that sports drink that starts with a G, nowhere, except for our friends at Stateside, and they got the vodka soda party packs ready to rock and roll for you, real vodka, real juice, go to statesidevodka.com, grab those now, you gotta be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly, and our friends at Kenwood Beer, go to kenwoodbeer.com, use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap, you gotta be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know? The married dream. The married dream. First pod back since the wedding, which was an absolute banger. Uh, how was the mini moon? It was fantastic. It was nice to uh, unplug for a week and not think about much <laughs> besides just uh, hiking and outdoors and mountains. So that was good. I uh, enjoyed it immensely. I also unplugged from sports for a little bit, which is also uh, nice and a little bit helpful, but uh, back in fully 100% now. So, And uh, while you were gone, the Sixers somehow climbed their way to the top to being the number one team in the Eastern Conference, and then it all came crashing down and like half the team is in health and safety protocol. Yeah, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was a quick turnaround. That was nice. <laughs> 
I don't know what it is with the Sixers and constantly getting just very unlucky with the uh, COVID protocol situation. Uh, <laughs> who can forget last year's Mike Scott incident? Uh. <laughs> um, and it's very similar this year where we're just getting, uh, I don't know, very unlucky with, with the situation and some untimely injuries as well, uh, which is obviously not great. Um, yeah, this was a... It was about as bad of a back-to-back as you could have asked for, too. Yeah. Because, like, you're going... Like, you have the Knicks and the Bucks, two pretty difficult teams, especially the Bucks. but uh, you don't have Embiid, Seth, Tobias for these. That's obviously not fantastic. <laughs> um, I think the results are expected. Did not expect to win either of those games. It would have been great to at least split them, but I think the performance was okay. I, I think the Knicks game left some wanting, but against the Bucks to have technically been in a position to win this game uh, in the fourth quarter even is a, a big compliment to how this team has persevered through some of these challenges very early in the season and the talent on display too with some of this depth that we're getting a chance to see. Tyrus Maxey had one of his best career games last night against the Bucks and He's uh shocking how that always happens during our yeah. COVID shortened roster. He, he is the COVID like uh what's that TV show and that I guess real rule that they have designated survivor. Oh yeah, he, he is he's the, the designated point guard. He is the COVID designated survivor in that any time <laughs> that we have more than like two or three people out with COVID protocol, Tyrese Maxey uh, just comes Pops in and off. has a uh, has a career night. But I, I thought this was just better than that Nuggets game where it was a lot of just fantastic scoring and, and that was kind of it i thought he was very efficient in this and very selective and i think the biggest compliment i can pay him so far this year is that he isn't a super great creator yet at least mm-hmm. but he's very efficient at it uh, he's someone that isn't turning over the ball at a very high rate i think one thing that we've complained about so much with the sixers over the years is that they always seem to be a, a bad turnover team um you know, and obviously, you know, things are a little different. Embiid's been out a few games, and Embiid is typically someone that's going to have a pretty high turnover uh, turnover number. But Tyrese Maxey's been really safe with the ball, and the Sixers are one of the best teams in the league so far in, in amount of turnovers. So that's been the, the good thing to see from them is the Sixers as a whole have just been really efficient. Uh, you know, when you look at their offensive numbers, they're not high volume, but they are incredibly efficient at everything they do. They have some of the best field goal percentage in the league, some of the best three-point percentage in the league, some of the best free throw percentage in the league, but they're not, you know, even in the top third in most of those categories in terms of volume, in terms of amount of shots that they're taking, amount of free throws they're taking, but they're just doing everything at a very good level, which is good. That's inspiring. Uh, what you need now is everyone to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobias seems like he's going to potentially be returning soon. I know Doc said that he's improving, feeling better. That's good. Embiid, who knows? Uh, because I believe there was also a, an injury. I don't know if they just misreported it at first. So at first, Shams came out and said that it was like typical like day off for, Rest for a back-to-back. front end of back-to-back. And then he entered health and safety protocols. Okay. And Doc said... He was in the same boat as Tobias, where it kind of hit him hard. So good. Well, I hope they're both okay and obviously recover. We've seen athletes. and Isaiah Joe and right, yeah, like that's it. Obviously, we're t- the the onus is on those two, but Isaiah Joe as well uh, out, and Seth has this uh, foot thing, mm-hmm. which is obviously not ideal because he's been I don't know our second best player um, at times. You could even say our best player because as much as we love Embiid and he's been good this year, but he was not playing at really close to the level that he was last Mm -hmm. year, which is not totally unexpected. I mean, he was playing at an MVP level last year, 
that's not something you could expect to just replicate every season. But Embiid was not at his very best, which I think, again, is if you're looking for, like, the optimistic thread here, if you're looking for the silver lining, the Sixers are 8-4. and four. Yep. This is without Ben Simmons. And this is with Embiid already missing a few games. This is already with, you know, missing your starters. Now, you don't want to miss them too much more because, frankly, without Embiid, without Seth, without Tobias, you're not winning many games. You just aren't. I know that the last two games are kind of feel-good things. And it's like, oh, look at, like, the determination this team still has. That's cool, but you're fighting for, like, a top seed. Mm -hmm. You don't really have, you know, many chances to just, like, ah, well, you know, we had grit. You know, like, it's all about, and we saw this a lot with the Sixers, about just stacking up those wins. And that, I mean, it obviously didn't really help in the playoffs last year. But it is important to get that top seed. And I think it will be important again this year. Uh, when you consider that some of these other what you expect to be contenders in the East have gotten off to a slower start. The ability to get like an advantage, a lead on those teams is important. Um, so I hope that they can take advantage of that by everyone getting healthy and being available to play. Some of that is out of our control because COVID can't be controlled, but I, I just hope that uh, we get some, uh, some clarity at least. And they kind of like flipped the script from the last time you and I were doing this show where it was like, you know, where are they going to take this season now? Like, you know, if they got off to a slow start, they were two and two, and then they just like went on a run. And obviously, Furk and Korkmaz becoming, you know, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, like fully helped that. But like, they have an opportunity now where, sure, it's a shortened, you know, bench, it's a shortened roster because of COVID, because of injuries. Um, but there have been guys that have stepped up in a big way, B ball Paul being inserted into the starting lineup defending Giannis to start the game or as Bucks uh, Twitter would say the king of Philly uh so I don't know stupid. if you saw Jeff McDevitt's tweet uh he tweeted he ain't even the king of Prussia but you won't <laughs> even understand this reference because you're a basketball team from Wisconsin I just think it's weird like they wouldn't like have us, tweeted that if Embiid was playing it's not even that it's like the Buc it's not even like we beat like if like okay if Atlanta tweeted that like all right, Fine. like you know what, like that makes sense. But like, we even play the Bucks in like a meaningful. We haven't played the Bucks in a meaningful game outside of like the Christmas game two years ago. Like yeah, I before that, it was like two thousand one. Yeah, like I just I don't I don't know. Um, also, I forgot Thibault is also in the, yeah. the health safety protocol. So like, conceivably, you have like five starters out. If also if you factor in Ben Simmons, who of course is still a you mystery. have one third of the roster. It's a lot. So, yeah, you hope that, that guys can make their way back. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's – I think the like the B-Ball Paul stuff, the, the Georges Niang stuff is all, like, part of what's been uh, a highlight of the beginning of the season that some of these depth guys that you're hoping pay off have so far at least paid off to our expectation. Mm -hmm. You know, they haven't been amazing. They, but I think they've impressed people. And that's not something the Sixers have had typically. Um, we hope that we don't see like the platoon ice hockey replacement line shifts like we saw in the playoffs last year. But having what's so important about the regular season is having a good deep team like this. I think that is absolutely crucial in your ability to, you know, rest and beat right and not worry about his his workload and know that he's going to go into the playoffs healthy and well rested and have plenty of you know life in his legs but still be able to be a, you know, a top two seed, top three seed. Like that's really, really important in the NBA now because it's all about rest and it's all about managing players. That sports in general now is all about just getting people through the season to like the harder parts and making sure that mm -hmm. everyone stays healthy and sort of like 
long-term goal focused on May, not December. You know, right. and we've always talked about that. We never feel like the NBA season really gets going until after Christmas, but these games still count. Mm-hmm. You know, these games are still obviously part of your your regular season standing. So, yeah, I think the way they've started this year is, is obviously it's impressive to me, honestly, because I really expected, especially after the first few games, that this season could very easily turn. And, I mean, it certainly still could, mm-hmm. obviously, but I think the way this team has reacted, it wasn't just like BS about when they were saying, oh, this team is really united about, you know, without Ben and, you know, we've all been in, a, a, you know, really good with each other and we feel like we're in a good position. Like, I think that's actually true. And I think we're seeing that play out in front of us. I think the fact that you're seeing this team who had every reason to kind of go belly up in the last two games, not do it, is good. I, I think that that shows at least something about their character. Um, character's good. It's important. But we also need to win games now. And yeah. It feels good. It feels, you know, like you get like kind of, the moral victory over the Bucks, at least by like, listen, you were playing that team very, very well uh, when you were incredibly, incredibly hindered by your talent level and you were still able to hang with them. That's good. But, you know, now it's about getting everyone healthy and, and moving on. But yeah, I think this team is, has really shifted in my eyes from where I thought they could be, which is just, I don't know, a mess and dysfunctional. And I thought the Ben Simmons stuff could get even more vile and toxic. It kind of has, but I think it's been because the team has been winning that has not been amplified to the level that it it could be. This team was having, you know, let's say a four and eight start. You would be hearing just levels and levels. You even heard on the broadcast last night, which I thought was so tone deaf when they're saying that this team needs a guard that needs. Yes. Big picture, this team does need someone that can be a better shot creator and probably better at playmaking. Tyrus Maxey is improving, but I do think there's someone that could probably probably even play alongside Tyrese and mm-hmm. do those things, right? It is so stupid and tone deaf to be saying that in a game where <laughs> we are missing Joel Embiid, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, and Matisse Thibel. Like, I can't explain or, or properly put into words just how, like, short-sighted it is that that's your critical analysis of that game's well the Sixers really need a close actually we just need our best player to not have COVID actually I think was probably probably the better chance for us to win that game we just need a third of our roster back no big deal just uh, listen I know that it's hard to analyze every game these guys have to watch a lot and and research a lot but I just look at the box score and I think it'll tell you that well I think this this game just mm-hmm. chalked up to the fact that the Sixers had to play uh, guys that usually aren't going to see more than three minutes a game. So, uh, and you know, you brought up our old pal number twenty five. The rumors have been swirling, and now our old pals up in Boston are allegedly in the mud with us. Shout out, B-Ball Paul. I don't know how I feel about this, but you and I talked about it. On Monday, it would just be quintessential Ben Simmons saga. Put a bow on it if Ben Simmons ended up in a Celtics uniform. I almost choked on my gum when I read this because uh, I saw it. I don't text and drive, but I did see it pop up on my phone while I was driving. And I was like, wow, that has to be not true. Turns out it's not true because it said it's the same language that's been used with like every Ben Simmons trade potential Put thing. In. Put it on the list. Is. Um, it would have to include someone like so Jalen so. Brown. There was no like discussion about, hey, Ben Simmons or Jalen Brown, what do you think of this? Celtics were like, we kind of like that. Okay. It was like, okay, well, if you want Ben Simmons, the Celtics were at least, it seems, 
interested, have been at least interested in Ben Simmons. And when they've reached out or however this has worked, Jalen Brown is going to have to kind of theoretically. And Jalen Brown, I think, is one of the very few contracts that you can even trade. Marcus Smart had that extension. So Mm -hmm. he can't. And that's, again, the bigger issue that we've had when talking about Ben Simmons trades and why I was so uh, so negative about the idea of him being traded after draft lane, after free agencies, because once those guys, guys sign those deals, it can't be moved until December. Like, can't. Like, you cannot trade someone that. Like, you have to wait. I think it's December 15th. 15th. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in the exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP, breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. So that's like a huge roadblock yep. when like half the contracts in the league now can't be moved. Like you can't trade them. That's why Jalen Brown was, I think, really the only Celtics contract yeah. that could even like legally be traded that would fit. We're not trading Ben Simmons for Jalen Brown, even straight up. I don't even think we give Ben Simmons and a pick and we're getting Jalen Brown. Um, I would, I don't know. I would actually drive Ben Simmons to Boston myself. Yes. As awkward of a, a road trip as that would be, and ha- however much I hate like driving through New York City. And I've had a horrific experience driving to Boston, so I would 100% be on board. I might walk him to Boston yeah. if I had to um, for Jalen Brown. Like that's such that would be such a come up. So I can't think of a funnier end to this though than him summing, somehow ending up on Boston, and it would be even funnier. If we somehow won that trade too, like if if for some reason like I don't know like Brad Stevens who just like had his Dunkin' Coffee in his mass hole van uh, laced with like PCP and we he just like makes a trade for Ben Simmons for Jalen Brown like I would love that I would love every minute. I of that. personally think Brad Stevens is just like the placeholder in that front office. And Ime Udoka is hell-bent on reassembling the 2019-2026ers. Hey, they were uh, they were top seed in the East, so, you know, probably probably worth going for. He wants to have Ben Simmons, Al Horford, and Josh Did you see them play in June that year? They were great. Undefeated. Imagine if they had Ben Simmons in the bubble. They were they were undefeated in May and June of that year. Look it up. They did not lose a game in those, in those months. Great, great playoff run. Great playoff run by the Sixers. I would like to see it. I I feel like there's untapped potential with that as a big three. <laughs> I do. I think I think it could really work. I think Ben Simmons is uh we should just not worry about because nothing can happen for another month. Not only that, but all this stuff seems to be turning towards a like almost legal battle where Ben is obviously saying that he He's out because he's not mentally ready to play, mm-hmm. whatever that means. And that he is seeking some sort of 
uh, mental health. Uh, like he's going to, he's finding a therapist or he's actively talking to one, you know, doing whatever he needs to do to be mentally ready to play. The Sixers are seeking clarity on what exactly that means, which I think is fair. I think, totally. it's, I think it's fair. Like, if you're being as objectively as possible, moving all to context, which context is also very important to yep. this. <laughs> we shouldn't be looking at this without context. But if you're looking for without context, guy says he needs more time to be mentally ready to play. Okay. Organization. We would like to at least get some update, or at least you are you would be talking to someone within our network of specialists so that we know that you're actually like getting someone that we trust and some progress. And there's no middle ground being reached between those two places. And now you're introducing like the CBA stuff, the fact that he's a union member. Like there's a lot of layers to this now that I, I think it get has the capacity to get very, very ugly mm-hmm. and very twisted. And listen, I don't think you have to be like a super critical thinker to think that maybe Ben Simmons, who was trying to force his way out all summer and was coming up for every reason and every excuse and was feigning back injury, is now out with a mysterious... I'm not... Listen. I'm not saying he's faking. I'm just saying to the... If you're gonna... It does not take a hardcore skeptic to look at this situation and be like, I think this might be kind of not true. Even critical thinker Aaron Rodgers would know that. Right. <laughs> well, he consulted his good friend Joe Rogan. Yes. So I think I think they could both use MD. combined brain power to, <laughs> to see... Listen. I'm just saying it seems fishy. That's it. It just seems entirely coincidental mm-hmm. that he has, yeah, that he's mentally not ready to play in a time where it is. It's impossible to prove someone's mental health. It's not like a, an injury diagnosis where someone can do some kind of radial test on you and see your mobility or see, take an X-ray or an MRI. Of course, maybe he has something going on in his life. I'm not sitting here in judgment. I'm not sitting here to say that whatever. I think either way, this is a mess. That mm-hmm. I just I don't want to be on my team, but it is, yeah. and I don't see a solution forthcoming. And that's the bigger issue too: is the longer this bubbles, I have to imagine the more leverage Ben is losing because it's not helping him either that the Sixers are playing as well as they are mm-hmm. and winning. But I I think truly, I'm not. I don't even think this is like a negative thing to say. I think Ben would. Be very happy if the Sixers were pe- playing poorly, if they were if they were doing very bad, because that only helps him, it only helps convince him that hey, you either, you know, you you now have to find a trade for me because you are desperate now, like you need to win, like Daryl Morey, you are on a, a time crunch, you have to find the solution here. So and that includes me being gone. So the fact that the Sixers are doing well, I think, is probably not helpful to his hopes that he's leaving anytime soon. I hope that we find a solution, frankly, because like. I'm over reading the like, and it's just so like gross and grimy, the like Shams and Woj tweets where it's like, they're so like, obviously for the longest time, I'm not naive. They've been briefed by agents and by organizations and executives on what to say, Mm -hmm. but it's so obvious the spin that each is being like told by whether it's Ben's camp, whether it's like Clutch, or whether it's Daryl Morey or the Sixers front office. Like it is so like bleedingly obvious that they are like when the brief is coming from either Clutch or when it's coming from the Sixers. Like yes. it is so. It is like it's it's like you might as well just post the notes app of like yeah. what you got sent. Um, I think somebody actually did a breakdown. I think it was uh my man Matt at uh 
Panasonic DX4500 on Twitter. He did like, if it's coming from Woj, it's this. If it's yeah. coming from Shams, it's this. It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> and I yeah. listen, I don't see a solution. And I also don't see a point in like stressing my life about it anymore. I'm I'm very much in the, the mode of limiting how much Ben Simmons lives in my head now. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, he's not a sixer because he clearly isn't interested in being one. He hasn't. That was not lost on me the entire summer. I've not forgotten the entire summer when he ignored everyone and didn't talk to anyone and told people not to come visit him and was very publicly saying he wanted to leave, very publicly demanding that he could only go to a California team because he was a young socialite. And that's the only place he could even possibly be bothered to even think about playing basketball for $170 million. Like, is now lost on me, and I've not forgotten those facts. Facts, by the way. Not just opinions or rumors. Those were put out as practically press releases by his agency, Mm -hmm. which do what he wants to be done. So that's what Ben Simmons wanted all summer. That's it. (laughs) I'm not interested in giving that guy any more thought or any more than he already has in my mind because he doesn't want to be a sixer that's fine by me i will be happy when he's on another team because it'll it'll finally close this yes <laughs> this just god-awful mess and i think will finally give us closure to the playoff collapse mm-hmm. from last year that'll really come when doc rivers is fired but that is for another time i think yeah because i mean everything would did you see them celebrating in the locker room after Daka's thousandth career win. Embiid looked the happiest I've seen him in a long time. Weird. Weird. <laughs> I'm just saying it's weird. I'm just saying it's weird that someone isn't on the team and everyone seems really happy and united in that. When the coach that, you know, the fan base is kind of 50-50 split on. Comes across a historic milestone. Congrats to Doc, by the way. Uh, yeah, Embiid looked like, you know, he just won a title. And he was celebrating a coach's thousandth career win, throwing water on him. Uh, also, reminder, Shams, Simmons, Camp Leaks, Woj, Sixers front office leaks yeah. from the boy Panasonic. Uh, my boy Matt. Um, but uh, just to add more agony and just hair-pulling to our lives, Matt... Everybody's favorite uh, mouthpiece for Scott Boris, one John Heyman, firing off the tweets today. They're pulling us right back in, aren't they? It is the riptide right of, Philly's, of, of Philly's news, isn't it? Every November and December. Here it is. They're pulling you out from shore. Uh, he tweets today verbatim. I'm going to read this so I don't uh, You're not, uh, mince opening any yourself words. up to libel. This is is from... it libel or slander when you say it? It's slander when you say it, right? Yes. Uh, so where is it here? When did he tweet? Here we go. This was three hours ago as, as from right now, 3.55 p.m. Phillies are expected to spend money as they usually do and appear focused on pitching, per John Heyman. That came right after Scott Boris spoke this afternoon uh, at the GM meetings, and we'll get into what Dombrowski said at the meetings as well, but... Kind of interesting that after Scott Boris speaks, his favorite mouthpiece in the media goes out and tweets and says the Phillies are ready to spend money on pitching. That would be great. And, of course, I had to do some digging today, Matt, on who was represented by Scott Boris in the free agent pitching market. Um, 
there are some names. There are some names that would look very good in Philly's pinstripes. Yeah, they're going to look really good when there's a, a lockout. Yeah, that play. too. <laughs> That's seemingly seemed to like not be on anyone's rate. By the way, so I was in uh, North Georgia for my uh, mini honeymoon, uh, which is great, beautiful place. Highly recommend. Uh, the unfortunate thing was uh, that is Braves country, uh, and we weren't on to talk about uh, just the worst thing to ever happen Jesus to us. Jesus Christ. And my uncle, who's a Yankees fan, God bless him, um, we were lamenting on how this was the worst case scenario for both of us for the World Series. I was trying to explain to him how much I hate the Braves and how mentally I could not take another like NL East World Series. He's like, well... I'm sorry, but I can't watch the Astros win. And I was like, I can't watch the Astros win either. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want either of them. He's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but one of them has to. I was like, yes, you're right, Uncle Brian. <laughs> very one true. Of them has to. <laughs> very unfortunate. Yes. Um, but I was there. Well, I wasn't there, but I had to listen to the uh, the parade like thing on the the news stations and the radio, and everyone was so pumped, and everyone around had their little brave stickers, and I was like, God, please. <laughs> It's worst. not too late for another flood. Well, Scott Boris came out and said that uh, it, it's a it's a sham that the Braves won the World Series and it is a part of Major League Baseball's cancerous tank culture. I Scott Boris, I totally agree. I'm all I, in, Scott. I've never agreed with Scott Boris more. Uh, other than when put an asterisk he, on it. Other than when he decided to send Bryce Harper here. Uh, oh, well, I mean that was just a smart business decision. It's very true. But some some of Scott Boris's clients heading into this winter, Matt. Uh, that are on the free agent pitching market. Don't believe this one will be coming here, especially after everything that happened with Joe Girardi and our now hitting coach, uh, who's with the Nationals, blanking on his name, but uh, former Washington National, former teammate of Bryce Harper, and coming from the Los Angeles Dodgers, Max Scherzer is represented by Scott Boris. I completely surpassed Max Scherzer. He's not coming here. Don't get your hopes up. But if he does, no shot. I will do backflips off of the the bell at Citizens Bank Park. No, there's shot. no shot. Max Scherzer. Even if we here. did, he would like need like Tommy John. He would turn into Jake Arrieta, and we would just like it would be the worst signing ever. But there is a name that I am very intrigued by. That is a Scott Boris client that I didn't even know was a Scott Boris client uh, until today. Starting pitcher. Four playoff team this year in the American League, uh, Carlos Rodon from the Chicago White Sox. That's a name I could see Dombrowski saying, you know what, he would be good in our rotation behind Zach Wheeler as a one-two punch, moves Aaron Nola to the three, then you have Kyle Gibson who you got in the trade this uh, trade deadline in July from the Rangers. He slots in at the four, and then Zach Eflin's your five. On paper, that's a pretty damn good rotation. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Yeah, I mean, he's he was a very good pitcher last year. Obviously, that would be a huge... I think if you're talking about like what the Phillies need pitching-wise, it would be another 
high-level starter, which Rodon would be, and you need at least, what would you say, two bullpen arms? If not more. And like, at least. Like, yeah. two, two, and I'm not just talking, like, what we did last year, where it's, like, in uh, February, we're, like, all right, here's four each mm-hmm. for, like, a combined seven You million. need to go you know, get, like, like two certified, like, two, like, weapons. You need two above average, yeah. at least and two And then probably trade for one more, which... Right. The Phillies have been mentioned in the the discourse of potentially trading for Josh Hader. I don't see Again, it. in the same camp as Max Scherzer, I don't see the Phillies going and getting Josh Hader, but I wouldn't hate it if they did. I'd love to have got his brother, Bill Hader. A very funny guy. <laughs> um, I'd, the thing that worries me about the Phillies is they do have money coming off the books, mm-hmm. which which I think has gone perhaps understated yes. in like the – forecasting and the wish casting of this offseason like no more mccutcheon you let a lot of other guys walk they like you 37's had, gone you've you've opened up quite a bit the thing with the phillies is one the luxury tax is the salary cap for them mm-hmm. they're never they we just have to accept that fact now that they're never going into luxury tax and honestly i'm not sure that i would either when this team is like not even made the playoffs in ten years, why would you go and pay a ton of extra money for a team that not even just isn't a contender, isn't even making the playoffs with regularity? Now you could say, is it like the chicken or the egg? Are you not spending money appropriately or spending enough, and that's why you're not having success? Who knows? There are a lot of <laughs> a lot of issues with why the Phillies are not a regular, even playoff performer. Yeah, um, they've been in the talks. About Craig Kimbrell, of course, which that probably makes more sense than Josh Hader being his connections to Dombrowski. Um, again, don't know if it's worth it. Seems very Papelbonish, where you go and trade for a guy that like would be very good on a contender, but you don't know where the Phillies are at right now just because of all the holes on this roster. And you go and get Kimbrell, and it's like, cool, you have a great back end of the bullpen closer for a team that's still like figuring out their identity right and you still have other holes to fill by the way which a center fielder probably could use an infielder the left field big bat role it continues to swirl around matt and if it happens i will stop at no length to get this man on our show nick castellanos (laughs) is being thrown around in philly circles like no other if we get nick castellanos (laughs) I I will buy season tickets just to sit behind that man. I have not in my lifetime gotten a name on the back of a Phillies jersey besides a Lenny Dykstra secondhand jersey that I bought for the hilarity of getting to wear a Lenny Dykstra jersey to games. Now fun that is for me. Because what a psycho. <laughs> However, if we get Nick Cassianos the day he is that. signed... Or at least the first day that it is available on the website, I am getting a Cassianos jersey. A hundred percent. Now, for the real ones that know from this baseball season, we obviously embrace Nick Cassianos as our favorite non-Philadelphia Philly. Mama Cassianos. a great city. Yeah. Mama Cassianos bought in, follows the show, still follows the show to this day. I would be hitting her up so quickly to get (laughs) Cassianos on the flip phone. To call into this show and have Nick Castellanos on this podcast. We would go to the moon. Besides the memes, 
a tremendous play. He's so good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even without just like, I like he is actually very, very good. So good. And I would love to have him as a Philly. He and he would play like his play style. He's a big bat, hits home runs, hits for power. He would absolutely mash at Citizens Bank Park. Now, what that would do for society, I don't know. We might get Fano snapped. Personally, I'm willing to live with the consequences. But whatever that is. Castellanos would play phenomenally at Citizens Bank Park. He can play left field. And then you'd have two corner outfielders of Nick Castellanos and Bryce Harper. Yeah, so he had uh, 34 home runs last year. He had an OPS of 939, a slugging percentage of 576, and he batted 309. Quite the year for Mr. Castellanos. Wow. Bring him here. Bring him home. And Dombrowski has ties to him from Castellanos' time in Detroit. He had a 3.3 war last year. Wow. I wonder if any Phillies player besides Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler got close to that. Uh, yes, I'm excluding the two players that are currently <laughs> up for MVP and Cy Young, respectively. That are going to win. Which also, the hilarity of, it's so of that, like... And you didn't even make the playoffs is not lost on Price me. winning the Hank whatsoever. Aaron Award. He's like not lost on me whatsoever. I'm gonna say the closest to at least a three war was probably Gene Segura. You're uh very you're on it. Uh here here's our war numbers last year. Zach Wheeler with a seven point seven. Wow. Good freaking lord. Jeez. Bryce Ew. Harper, five point nine. That's still great. I don't know that you'll guess number three. It's a pitcher. I will pitcher. make it easier for you. Um, Hector Neris? No. It's a guy you like. It's a guy we all okay. like. Has improved massively. Real underdog, kind of. Oh. Um, was it Avalon? Ranger Suarez oh, with yes, a 5.8. Uh, Gene Segura had a 3.7. JT with a 3.4. Aaron Nola, 2.7. That's shocking for the year that he had. It is. It is very surprising, but you know what? Yeah, it's weird because Aaron Nola, I think, is a, a victim of like expectation mm -hmm. at times. He like, was yeah. dubbed the savior of the franchise yeah, during it's... his first start. <laughs> and who knows? That's, I don't know, maybe just a lot of pressure to put on yeah. uh, Him and Reese, I think, are both similar totally. in that. Like The expectations for them are nev like could never possibly be fulfilled unless they both turn in like Otani and Mike Trout, respectively. Like That's just not... They're never going to reach those heights. Nola did have like an up and down season, but I think the the good pieces of that were the same good mm -hmm. Nola that we saw over the years. And yes, there were like certainly lows that we didn't expect or weren't ideal for like team success. I think like, I don't know, I'm willing to give like a younger guy like maybe the benefit of yeah. the doubt on that. And like, can't forget, by the way, Aaron Nola's on a very team friendly contract. It's not like this is a guy that you went and spent, like, even Arietta money on. Yeah. Um, Let's also not forget Aaron Knowles had, like, what, four pitching coaches in his career right, since like he's come the, up? The, like, and this is, what, his year one with Caleb Cotham, who I think did a phenomenal job as right. a whole with this pitching you staff. You also have a new manager, like, every year. Yeah, like, there's <laughs> been a lot of inconsistencies with yes. Aaron Nola's career. I think that there have... are a lot of qualifiers that go into Aaron Nola's, like, still early career, too. Like, it's not like he's... Uh, technically a veteran at this stage of his career but i would still consider him someone with potential rather mm -hmm. than this is what aaron nola is i think you know if you told me aaron nola like went up a level i would not be surprised by that i mean 
Zach Wheeler is three years older than Aaron Nola. Zach Wheeler did not have his first great full year until this past year. Yeah. The the book on Zach Wheeler when we signed him going into the COVID year was that he had shown flashes. He'd had great like half seasons, but had never done a full complete season. And now we see him in a full season and is a Cy Young yep. finalist, <laughs> which Aaron Nola was already before, by the yes. way. And a much so like I don't know you like let's not get too caught up in what we what we'd hoped what we'd wish casted Aaron Nola to mm-hmm. be. It's like let's just look at the guy we have now and that he's a good starting pitcher. And, and I think if right. you can if you can have Zach Wheeler next year, obviously as your number one, deservedly so. And Steve also put in the comment section that it was Ranger Suarez. Um, good on, on you, him. Steve. And uh, you have Zach Wheeler as your one. You insert Scott Boris, client pitcher, as your number two and alleviate some of the pressure off of Aaron Nola's shoulders and make him your number three, where it's like, go into this season with no expectations, no pressure on your shoulders, because you have two guys in front of you who are going to carry the load and be those expectation guys. I think that does wonders for Aaron Nolan. We can see him get closer to what he was in 2018 when he finished in that Cy Young conversation and was having the phenomenal year he was having. Will he get back to that point? Who knows? But I think if you alleviate some of the pressure, take some of that expectation off of his shoulders in a good way and have guys in front of him that will perform to the expectations you have for them, I think it will make Aaron Nola that much better of a pitcher. It reminds me very much of that Pete LaFleur quote from Dodgeball, a true underdog story, <laughs> that if you have a goal and you don't reach it, then that feels bad. But if you never have the goal, they nothing. You know, there you You're go. never disappointed. So. <laughs> Where does he go? He says, like, and I got to tell you, feels great. <laughs> Dude, I think the key to happiness with the Phillies is to just not expect anything. So when something good does happen, you're like, wow, that was actually pretty nice for me. I liked that. That's the way I'm looking at it. And that's why I'm approaching free agency with them is I expect absolutely nothing from the Phillies. When, I, when something good happens, that only means that it's, like, even more exponentially better than I could have hoped. Yeah. And the other interesting aspect of this Phillies offseason so far is they are in the conversation to land an international star. To get in the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Which, rare, never happens for this team. Those international stars, especially the ones from Japan, which this player is from Japan. I'm going to bring it up here because good friend of the program, Alex Carr, tweeted about it the other day. And I would be over the moon if they got this guy. Uh, Seiya Suzuki. If they went and got him over his last three seasons, he's walked 263 times. He struck out 241 times. He hasn't posted a a season OPS below 936 in six years. He was 20 years old when that happened. He's won four uh, NPB Gold Gloves in right field and has played a multiple uh, played multiple infield positions throughout his career. I mean, if they can go and get this guy and put him into the mix, that's a huge 
notch in the belt for Dave Dombrowski and like his vision for him finally being able to put his fingerprints on this team. Yes. I think if you have the option, here's my, here's my hard hitting analysis on all of this. If you have the chance to add good players to your team, you, you should, should add good players to your team. There's an old saying. I think it's, uh, you get the talent and worry about the rest afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking up. I wanted to see if I could find like a good list of Phillies international players. And I found this great article oh from Phillies Nation in 2014. I, I didn't really read it. I just skimmed. But the headline is evergreen. This is in t- July of 2014. This headline. Phillies history of international signings leaves much to be desired. Yeah. Just a bit. Oh, look at this. Absolute. Just time capsule with talents like Yasuo Puig and Jose Abreu of Cuba already discovered the Phillies may have missed an opportunity to sign talented players at below market value last year the Phillies signed the fourth ranked prospect third baseman Luis Encarnacion and Cuban defector Miguel Alfredo Gonzalez I remember Miguel Alfredo Gonzalez because I kid you not Matt I was over the moon that they signed him and he turned out to be such a bust uh, while the team has produced infielders Cesar Hernandez and Freddie Galvis, their results haven't exactly been sterling. Get used to that, 2014 <laughs> Phillies Nation. Get used to that. I think the best international player the Phillies have had in like our lifetimes, Carlos Ruiz. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, so they actually have a list of the best, in their opinion, the best. Carlos Ruiz being number one, hard to argue. I think actually maybe yeah. even impossible to argue. Uh, Juan Samuel. Who signed yes. to the Dominican Republic age 20. Yeah. Hard to... Those two, easily. Antonio Bastardo. I remember him. He was he was good for a hot minute. Pancho Herrera. Do not remember what him. A, what a uh, name. Because he was signed in October of 1954. <laughs> uh, he was technically signed away from the Kansas City Monarchs of the Negro League in 1954, but was extensively scouted as a player in Cuba. Okay. What a name. And Robinson Tejeda. I remember him, too. Tejada, I'm sorry. Tejada was the Phillies for one season, but he put together a strong season swingman going 4 for 3 with 357 ERA in 26 games. He would be traded in April of 2006 for outfielder David DeLucci. Oh, Christ. <laughs> now there's a name. There's the name. Any relation to Danny DeNucci? <laughs> ben DeNucci? Is that is that racist towards Italians? <laughs> if I just... Anyone with an Uchi last name, He's I think is... Really... kids. <laughs> It's okay. I'm half Italian. I can say that. <laughs> the uh, but it, like, a- as much as the Phillies cause us just like absolute trauma, I am somewhat intrigued. A little to see trauma's what good. Like a little a trauma little helps sometimes. Because to be fair, Dombrowski didn't come in to this team until like the off season was over last year. Right. So I'm willing to give Dave Dombrowski an off season to see what he's able to curate. We know he's notorious for going out and spending money. Let's see if it happens. Let's see if Big Daddy Middleton takes the clamps off the uh, the old cigar uh, trust fund. We'll see what happens. But I'm I am always willing to happy see. to spend other people's money, yes. especially John Middleton's, and especially if it's for Nick Castellanos. Yes, if if we can get Castellanos and Carlos Rodon, I will bankrupt. I will bankrupt John Middleton for Nick Castellanos. <laughs> the amount of cigars I will smoke, and I <laughs> don't even smoke, would still be zero. Zero. But I would consider buying a very overpriced hat from the Phillies uniform store. Consider. Forty five dollars for a hat. I mean Christ. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? 
Um, they they spell big league chew in there for nine dollars <laughs> a bag. Come on, big league chew. Bryce Harper's contract isn't painted itself, man. Speaking of which, he's totally winning the MVP. I sh- sure hope so. I sure hope so. Like, there, there's no way they're going to give it to Juan Soto. Granted, Juan Soto had a great season this year. But as a team, the Nationals were even worse than the Phillies. Hard to believe. Yes. I don't see them giving it to Juan Soto. And I forget who the other candidate is, obviously, honestly, um, to go along with Bryce. Which, that in and of itself should just automatically give Bryce the uh the green light to be the MVP. He won the Hank Aaron Award already. Had the highest OPS uh in the National Is League. Is this like the Oscars where it's like if you win the uh like Golden Globe or like the Screen Actors Guild Award, you're like really in line to win like best <laughs> actor or actress or whatever? Is it like one of those it things? It might be. I can't say that I'm super familiar with the uh the history. Own it is Fernando Tatis Jr. Which I mean we talk about the Phillies having collapses. The Padres kind of ho- had a very hardcore collapse. Kind of hilarious that all three MVPs are from teams that didn't not make the, make playoffs. the playoffs. And like one of which not even close, and two of which like Collab- had the chance to do it but didn't. <laughs> that is hilarious. I think the Padres had a, a harder fall than we did because yeah, so I mean, much was expected of them. Their manager got fired because of it. I I mean, Padres I believe were my pick to come out of the nl yeah me too i think i had a yankees padres world series yes you did i think i had padres twins so Uh, even worse hey man you know what we do our best can't win them all Um, that's the phillies way you can't win them all in fact for 110 seasons we didn't win them all (laughs) of the three teams like bryce had the best season he did and he should win and frankly i i'm not gonna say that I'm going to commit a felony if he doesn't, because I'm not going to put something like that into you know this isn't writing, but I'm not you know I'm not going to record myself saying that I'll commit a felony if Bryce Harper doesn't win MVP. But sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands. That's what that's what the world has taught me. And I mean, Zach Wheeler has a legitimate shot to win the Cy Young. Yeah, Corbin Burns, sure he had a great year for the Brewers. And We're not rewarding guys named Corbin. Sorry. No. Corbin Blue had his limelight had his in time. 2008. We're done with it. Uh, and, I mean, we're all in this together. And Max Scherzer needed two teams to put up stats. And yeah, can you, like, can you really be, like, I don't know. Can you feels really, dirty. Feels weird. I think I, Zach Wheeler deserves it. I hope and Max Scherzer doesn't get, like, a get like the lifetime achievement award you know you know how <laughs> the they Roberto do that Clemente award. yeah you know they do that sometimes where it's like you're not really deserving of this but like you've had a great career career and you haven't always been rewarded for it so like here you go here's your like prize even though he's nominated as the player from the nationals <laughs> yeah it's like it's like uh leonardo dicaprio winning like best actor for uh what was it the the wilderness movie he yeah. made. it's like that very obviously like wasn't really his best role ever. Like he was great in it, but it's like, I mean, come on! Like it was just a travesty to that point. He had never won one, so like I finally here, here, take <laughs> it, get out of our hair. Yeah, now everyone could shut up. Leave us alone about Grief. Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, but yeah, I totally. You know, even if I wasn't a Phillies fan, all by his side, 
I think Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper should be MVP and Cy Young, respectfully. Um, especially Bryce. He had one of the best seasons in Philly's history as a, a position player, and one billion percent deserves to be the MVP. And I think we should find out Friday if he wins it. Um, there's been like I've seen two dates for when they're announcing the MVP Friday, and then I also saw next Thursday. So whenever it is, God, just get it over. Yeah, it's like <laughs> come on. Um, if there's one thing sports leagues need to know is that after their season ends, I literally don't care about that season anymore. Yeah, I'm not interested in award races from that season. Anymore. Why can't we have these awards announced before the World Series? Don't understand it. Like, there's usually one or two days right. before have the announcements during like the league championship series, and then have the awards. But that's also probably because Rob Manfred doesn't give a shit about baseball. So, well, that's very true. Valid, uh, Matt. It's time for our buffs and snuffs survivor recap. Uh, obviously, we didn't have our Twitter spaces last week, but one of the best episodes in recent survivor memory happened last week. Um, and most notably as well, today we got confirmation. Survivor Season 42 starts March 9th of 2022. So we'll have immediate Survivor uh, turnaround, which is great. Uh, we'll only have like two months off of, of no Survivor. But last week's episode of Survivor was one of the best in recent memory of any season I can remember. Just with all the twists and turns and our boy Xander making it out the mud. Top bins, top tier commentary, top drawer, upper ninety. You already down. know. <laughs> you it's more already no. I think that's how it always goes. Like forty-five minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. (laughs) What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Stop Ben's time. What's up? We're back. With his idol now uh, active and just going full on rogue, making fake idols and saving Evie and sending our girl Sydney home in the process. Yeah, does does feel bad that we lost Sydney, a real one. For uh, for entertainment's sake, she was great to watch. Um, this was an all timer. This is going to be in YouTube compilations of like greatest survivor moments. It is. I don't. I don't want to hear the negativity. I think what's funny about it is like the advantages have been such a focal point for like. There are some people that I think watch Survivor in like a hateful way mm-hmm. and like come out of every episode just nitpicking everything that happened. It's like man. That's such a 
I don't like. Why do you watch then? I don't know. Like, right. yes, are there perhaps too many advantages this season? I am certainly willing to say yes. That if you need to dedicate like a four minute recap to all the advantages that are in the game, yeah, maybe you yeah. overdid it. The thumb on the scale a little too much. However, all the best moments and that people would objectively say are great moments and that will live on and that have given us a lot of entertainment have pretty much been, not even pretty much, have been because of advantages. We do not get the awesome Xander fake idol fake out with Liana if she doesn't have this stupid overpowered advantage, which is now out of the game, which is great. Yes. We don't need to worry about it anymore <laughs> until they reintroduce it. <laughs> until they reintroduce the idol that gets you into the final three. Yeah. <laughs> like Play this at tribal automatic uh, bid. Every tribal. <laughs> um, it's because of advantages. Yeah. And it's because that they're so hard to keep a secret now, too. And that it's like, I think Survivor has always had to evolve. If you go back and watch the first few seasons of Survivor, it is a completely unrecognizable game mm -hmm. from every level. It's archaic. It's stupid. You knew Richard was going to win from day one because he even says it into the camera that he's going to win. They're so dumb. Now, I don't mean this in a negative way, but they were just so naive to the idea that like, people would like team up and have like an alliance. Mm -hmm. The idea of an alliance was not even... I don't even know if it's said in the first season, but the idea that people would have like a voting block, and even though it is so obviously happening to them, they all yes. just like let themselves get destroyed. I, listen... The show has evolved over the years, and it needs to, because at a certain point, people understand the game too well. It's like with the Survivor auction, right? At a point, everyone just saved their money until mm -hmm. the end because they knew there was going to be some advantage at the end. It's like, well, we can't do that anymore because people know. People know that at the end of the day, they're just going to be able to get an idol or you know some, some other advantage that could help them in the game. So you have to constantly evolve it in a way so that players can't just like meta their way out of it constantly where there is you know things that pop up i think the only issue that i take with with this season so far that i think is a fair criticism that shouldn't happen again is the uh smashing the hourglass twist where you know your immunity it doesn't matter anymore yeah because there's no tension to the choice either it's like hey you were separated from everyone for two days and we're not a part of any merge discussion or anything like that. You, you've been alone on an island. Do you want immunity? It's like, no matter what the next part of that sentence is, yes. <laughs> yes is the answer. It's yep. like, it's there's no, there's no calculus that has to be made for a decision like that. And it is, I think, in a way unfair to the people that earned immunity to then have it, like, taken away from them. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I do think fairness is, like, not necessarily the word I would say about the game of Survivor. It's never been fair. There have been plenty of people that have perhaps been advantaged out unfairly that have maybe just had really bad, you know, tribe swaps that are completely random and it's unfair to them, but that's just part of the game. I mean, some of the best players ever didn't win it on their first shot. Boston Rob is considered one of the best players ever, if not the best, if depending on who you ask. And it took him like three tries to win Survivor. If not more. <laughs> like Yeah, I think it was his third or fourth time playing that he won. Yeah. Like I don't know, man. Like it's just yeah, it sucks. But that's also like the game of Survivor has always been, I think, unexpected twists and turns. And to expect that like in the season where they told you that it was gonna be harder and more dangerous and more difficult and have more twists and have more advantages to not expect something that we've never seen before. I don't know. Maybe that was being naive.
Yeah. Um, I I agree. The whole hourglass thing was like, holy shit. Okay, you're just giving <laughs> Erica all the power. Yeah, like in it's the just world. an obvious decision that it's not even like interesting. If she hadn't gotten immunity, I think that's at least an interesting decision. It's like, okay, well, like what do you actually do in that yeah. situation? You know, like. Because part of you probably feels like you want to get some revenge on the people that exiled <laughs> you, but part of you is also like, well, like five sixths of that team was my original tribe yeah. and alliance. Like I don't know. Like I think it's just such an obvious decision when you're offering up immunity for that person that so desperately needs immunity that, like, unless the next part of that sentence is you don't get a vote mm-hmm. for like two tribals after or something, like why would they say no? There's no incentive for her to say no in that situation. Yeah. Uh, and no one blames her either. Like no, no one's gonna be not like, at all. No one's gonna look at you and, and like cross-examine you because you took immunity for yourself. Yeah. Uh, so that'll bring us to our uh, three up, three down. After uh, one of the wildest episodes in recent memory, like we said. Uh, but Matt, you're three up heading into tonight's episode. Ooh, three up, three up. Um, uh, I think Deshaun has been an ever-present in my three up for pretty much the entire year but i think he's still there i mm-hmm. think he survived last episode which was a little scary for him uh he did have to burn one of his uh advantages which i think is actually his only advantage um the extra vote but he used it in a way that at least got him through that's what survivor is mm-hmm. all about uh and he understood in the moment what he had to do and how he had to shift the votes and he understood that the heat was coming towards him yes and that is, I think, good. And he has shown himself to be like a big threat. Maybe not ideal to be such a big threat, you know, like right at the merge. Because obviously people know that he's he's uh, someone to, to get rid of. But I think Deshaun has to be in that top three. Ooh, this one's tough. There are people that I would like to put into the top three. I don't know that if I can yet. I want to keep Shan in my top three, but I have to feel that last week was a big hit for her game. And I feel like Evie is in a good position. I think Evie's been in my top three for quite a while Mm -hmm. as well. And I just, I think the only concern with Evie is that you are, it does seem like at least the minority group in all of this and that you could still just get voted out. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps, you know, her fear was that the man always gets credit for whatever. And Xander made a big show about how he was using his idol for her. And he was like talking her down at tribal. Yep. Like, Hey, it's, we're good. Don't worry. About it. Don't use it. You know, like, so that could obviously play into her, um, you know, future here. I'm actually going to go Danny in my top three, which I don't know that I've done at any yeah. point so far this year. I'm impressed constantly by his uh, calmness, his ability to win a challenge. I think Danny is probably like, if you're just betting right now, who's going to mm-hmm. win immunity today? Danny would be probably odds on favorite, if not at least yeah. top three. And I think that's for every challenge because he's shown himself to obviously be athletic, but I think he's just remarkably composed. Seems like a very smart, intelligent fit, like person. And he doesn't have like advantages, things like that in this game right now, but I think he's in a very good spot. He has a very good alliance. Um, him and Deshaun seem to... And he is, I think, just as good socially. has all the good qualities of Deshaun without being the main focus mm-hmm. of other people, which is sometimes a very good spot to find yourself in. Yeah. 
I I agree. I, I think Danny's like maneuvered his way in uh, to the top three for that very reason. Like he plays kind of from the shadows, but is still so consistent. Can win a challenge at any given moment, and he's got power in the game in terms of just having numbers by his side and being in you know the the old blue tribe alliance and everything. Uh, so I I totally agree. Danny's in the top three in my book. I think Xander pivoted his way into the top three for sure. Power move at Tribal, made a fake idol, um, you know, was super confident. <laughs> Just like top to bottom. What a flawless play by Xander. Um, and then I think Deshaun as well is in my top three um, for all the reasons he's been in the top three for from almost the get-go. The bottom three, Matt, I think has definitely shifted quite a bit with the merge happening. Sydney's now gone. Uh, who's in your bottom three? So my bottom three, I'm basing this off of, in my mind, percentage to win the game now. In the early stages of the game, it is like, well, you know, we just don't know enough about these people. Or you just were shown to have a really embarrassing moment or whatever. It is now like, okay, what are the percentage chance that this person wins the game? I think two of these are obvious. Erica and Heather just do not seem like they're winning this game of and erica's got a huge target on her back now. erica was someone that everyone wanted to have as their easy vote and i think probably would have been the easy vote mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like if she doesn't have the option of immunity um so yeah i in heather i just i'm sorry but i i don't see it this one i don't know if it's surprising they could recover from last week they, they i think they still have the chance but i think thought about it of everyone remaining this is the third least likely person right now for me to win survivor this season is liana i think she made a huge mistake last week i think she got a little ahead of herself by wanting to use that advantage Mm -hmm. i don't think she necessarily had to and i think she didn't read the writing on the wall which was that everyone on yasa knew about your advantage it was no longer a secret danny told you that they knew and yet you were still in my mind naive enough or I, I don't know, just miscalculated that situation entirely to see that Xander was obviously not just like... Xander knew about your advantage. Mm-hmm. And was very obviously flaunting his idol. I think you have to like think a little bit about, oh, he probably doesn't have it. This is some sort of show. I think she really was overconfident. I don't know what, what exactly happened there, but I don't know how you recover from that, like a public mistake like yeah. that, and now you've lost this massive advantage. She's at the bottom of like the new right. merge alliance. And that now she's has lost all of. faith with Yasa as well. And she didn't really seem to understand what happened even after it happened. Like she had to ask Shan like during tribal and she was like because she was like, Oh, well, Evie isn't safe now. And she's like, No, Evie has the idol. Like like someone's gonna play the idol for Evie still. Like it you know, so I just think um yeah, I think Leon. Unfortunately, I really liked her. I, th- I thought she had a real mm-hmm. good shot, and I think just airballed it completely, yeah, big time. Pulled a JD. Uh, uh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I I agree. I think Liana's in the bottom. Uh, I think Erica and, and Heather are obvious for for both of their obvious reasons. Uh, and I would also argue that like the way Shan has played over the past couple of weeks has started to like shift her from like, Oh, she's playing really well socially to she's almost scrambling every single week to try to make sure the move she wants to like have come to life happens. And 
almost every time it's been like skin of her teeth she's gotten by. Yeah, I do think Shan... The only thing stopping me from like putting Shan in my bottom three is that so much still seems to run through her. Yeah. And she still seems to like very have have a good sense of strategy. And I think she is like still so good socially that I think she has a shot. I think really her and Liana took the biggest hit from because they're, you know, obviously very much in with each other. And I know that there was obviously like the, the Black Alliance. But Danny and Deshaun seem and like Shan and Liana seem like yes, they're in this together. Like they've obviously made at least and not we don't really know the Right. how together that still is it seems like it is but those two though each of them still seem very like separate entities that are under like an umbrella of course but like i don't doubt for a second that danny and deshaun would like nix that mm-hmm. if like they felt like it I, I you know and i don't know right but i'm just saying like that doesn't seem like set in stone alliance to me and both of them like shane liana still feel very separate from me to yeah. Danny and Deshaun like they don't feel like a alliance but maybe we'll see more of that you know as it goes on but yeah I just think Shan Liana both I think had a had a rough one yeah had a rough one totally I still will agree. say Shan seems to be very integral to a lot of the talk at camp and still seems very trusted by people and that's good that's a good spot to find yourself yeah in. so we're gonna go catch Survivor now be sure to follow at Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter uh, to keep up to date with all of our Survivor coverage right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia and, of course, our Twitter spaces that we do after every episode. Uh, you can join the conversation with us at Buffs and Snuffs. And, of course, guys, that's all we got for you. Uh, be sure also, Matt, our friends at Play Pickup, using the prize points that they have, the quickest turnaround to get the prizes I've ever seen. I cashed in some of my points for a cross-net volleyball net last week. It was on our doorstep in three days can't beat it go to playpickup.com start playing the hottest headlines in sports rack up points for prizes cash them in and uh you can get yourself a cross net volleyball net fanatics.com gift cards the whole nine yards it's all at playpickup.com be sure to tune into our thursday night football live streams presented by pickup every single thursday night it is a wild time on those streams you don't want to miss it and uh, be sure to follow us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matt at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBICCL311. And uh, check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you feel about the Sixers so far this season and everything going on with them fighting through adversity and Tyrese Maxey being the designated point guard survivor. And uh, everything going on with the Eagles, the Phillies, your your perfect offseason. Leave it in the podcast reviews. We will read them on the show if you drop them in there. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. You can also check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Go to TomahawkShades.com, and when you go to check out, use promo code USP, you get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, get the vodka soda party packs at StatesideVodka.com. You gotta be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. And our friends at Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com, use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been episode number 376 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. 
Till next week, we are signing off. Peace. Oh,